Hey, I'm Elisha Voberg. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in big families that were fun, impactful, and relationship-rich. Now that we're a family of our own with two young children and our third on the way, there's nothing that excites us more than seeing what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go! Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Katie, how are you feeling about life? Well, I can't believe that it's episode six to start with. Yeah, we've made it to we've made it through five episodes. We're starting our sixth, and I feel like we're starting to kind of get into the rhythm of it. Don't you feel like that? Yes, we're finally starting to get into the rhythm of it. So that's fun. Yeah, it's becoming more and more enjoyable. I know that for the first few episodes, it was like a huge deal. We were both kind of stressed out before. <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. We pressed record and then we just, you know, stumbled our way through it. And I'm sure that we probably are getting ahead of ourselves and becoming comfortable right now. But hey, it's fun being comfortable and enjoying the process. Yes, absolutely. I still have a few butterflies in my stomach, so. <laughs> yeah, which is good. I think that keeps you on your game a little bit more. Gives yeah. you that edge. It does. All right, folks. Well, I'm going to tell you what we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> Because it's actually something that's pretty uh, relevant to Katie and I at our current state in life, meaning like current, like today, yesterday, this week. Very, very current. Very current. And we're going to be talking about how we get out of funks um, or how we get out of ruts. And when I use the word funk, uh, I think the best way that I can describe it is just when your emotions are not positive towards life. You can objectively see that your circumstances are good. You know, I, I've, I've got great health. My wife, who I love, has great health. My children have great health. You know, we're around great people. We're provided for uh, financially and materially. And yet, I'm just not feeling happy emotions. And then all of a sudden, that turns, you know, from a few hours into a few days. Then all of a sudden, maybe a week or two weeks go by and you find, and you realize, man, I'm in a funk. I just don't feel good about life. And, and again, I'm not, you know, I think funks can lead to depression, but I don't want you to think that we're speaking about depression or overcoming depression because clearly that can be, be a far more serious issue. And we don't want to claim to be professionals or, you know, be giving professional advice. Um, but I think that everybody that I know experiences funks. And so Katie and I, are going to kind of talk about our strategies in getting out of funks. Yeah, absolutely. We've been in some consistent funks, and I think those are typically around January and February. Up here in Oregon, it's kind of snowy, the fog settles in, or maybe it's not fog, it's just like gray. Yeah, it gets overcast. There's fewer sunny days, it's cold, you're cramped in a house, there's this monotony of kind of all the days looking the same, there's less things to look forward to, and you almost have more time with yourself and more time to think about what you're doing, because I feel during the summer season, Season, you're rushing around just trying to live through it. Yep. And then our fall season's always really busy too. I feel like it's heading into the Christmas concerts. Christmas concerts during December is like a crazy time for us. Anyway, so consistently January and February have been difficult months for us. Mm-hmm. But 
every year is this our third year that we've been together through january yeah and this february? is our third january that we've been married in or it's february now so this is our third february yeah that we've been married um this one the funk has been substantially smaller so i'm really grateful i do think we're getting better yeah I think we're just getting better at identifying it in the moment, in while we're in the funk, and that helps us be, you know, overcome it. So Katie and I both wrote down kind of some practical things that help us get out of funks, and this is all coming from the context of being believers and, and believing that God's word is just really the greatest tool to get over any, any type of mental difficulty. Because it just really is the word of life, and it brings life, and it can't. You can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind can be made new through God's word and through the working of the Holy Spirit. So that's the kind of the context in which we approach this. But then we get even more practical than that, I think, just from our personal experience. And something that I've come to really value uh, when it comes to overcoming funks or getting out of the funk is not forsaking the assembling of the brethren. And I'm referring to Hebrews 10.25. I usually don't just talk like that. I don't say, do not forsake the assembly <laughs> of the brethren. Uh, that's kind of the verbiage that's used in, in Hebrews 10.25. And uh, it's really talking about just the saints, your local body of fellow believers that are on this journey of life with you. And you are in community with them, and you're able to jo join in fellowship with them on a regular basis. And, uh, and do not, just don't forsake that meeting that your local body has. And obviously most churches here in the U.S. meet uh, regularly on Sundays. And so just, I guess, I know that my heart's been um, maybe a little bit prideful towards local churches in the past and towards, uh, com you know, local community churches. Uh, and I'll think, well, I don't need to go. I don't need to go on Sunday. I, you know, like there's no law that we're not keeping a law here. We're not keeping, you know, the Sabbath. This isn't a part of, you know, earning my righteousness. And yeah, of course it's not, but it's beneficial. It really behooves me and Katie to not forsake the assembling of the brethren. And we're exhorted to do that a time and time and time again throughout the New Testament. And so I don't look at this as a legalistic, uh, I guess, exercise in going to church on Sunday. I look at it as just being such a blessing to Katie and I. And I don't know why I wouldn't want to take part in that blessing. And as it relates to getting out of a funk, Katie and I, especially the last couple of weeks, as Sunday's approaching, we'll find ourselves, like Katie said so well, you think of yourself so much more when life slows down. You just have too much time to think about yourself. And as a result, we get into a funk and getting away from yourselves and going and joining in fellowship with the local body, get your eyes off yourself. And it really is, I think, a powerful, powerful vessel and tool to overcome the funk. Absolutely. And I think, too, those are the times when we're going through a season of discouragement that's when we want to isolate ourselves most. And I think Absolutely. that's what the devil wants. He knows that when we are isolated and we just get in our own heads or it's just Elisha and I talking together, it's really easy to get our eyes off the Lord, get our eyes off the big picture, get our eyes off of other people. And so by forcing ourselves to go to church, we hear other people's prayer requests yes. and we talk to other people and hear about other people's problems. And Elisha and I have come away from a couple meetings recently and just gone, wow, we are so blessed. We mm -hmm. have no room to complain. Yep. And we feel so encouraged by the body. Amen. Absolutely. So I'm going to dive in here to one thing that really helps me process and everybody's different, but for me, 
a lot of my thoughts just go around in my head and I don't even know why I'm discouraged, why I'm bummed out, why I'm feeling no motivation. And I just, there doesn't seem to be a clear plan to get from A to B. If there was, I would start doing it because I want to get out of this hole. Yeah. So for me, that's brain dumping. And this can look different for different people. Sometimes when I'm just feeling discouraged, I go to Elisha and I talk things out. And that can help me because I just start talking and then I start seeing patterns in what I'm saying or he can give me feedback. And that could be helpful. But in this case, Elisha and I had already talked a lot. We'd probably talk too much. We talked around in circles. (laughs) And he was already discouraged. I was discouraged. And you don't really want to bring your discouraging things to your spouse when they're already feeling down, right? Because I just, I don't know. To me, it was going to affect both of us and pull both of us down. So for me, I decided to write it down. And I'm actually just going to read some of this for you guys. It's a little melodramatic, but it'll just give you kind of an idea of... You know, like there's no point or purpose to it. I didn't have a point or purpose. It was just start, start writing, start communicating. Yeah. Trying to put words to your emotions. Yeah. What am I thinking? So I'm going to kind of read some of this. (laughs) For some reason, I'm so depressed today. I can use melodramatic terms because this yes. is my journal. <laughs> make, make sure you it's very clear when you're reading and when you're not because this could get confusing. <laughs> this can. Okay, that was a written statement. <laughs> I feel no motivation. I don't know how to grow anything. I want to, but I'm not taking any action. I have no why. I have no reason to grow anything. I need change. Right here, that sentence for me, I need change, was a wake-up call for me because I realized that I was trying to tell Elisha things he should change. (laughs) And I realized that I was the one who actually needed change. And I thought by him changing something like, I don't know what he was doing on a day-to-day basis, that would give me incentive to change for Hmm. whatever reason. But that was kind of like the first clue I stumbled across in this of some kind. I need change of some kind, something to jumpstart me into caring about YouTube, my health, my fitness, financial goals, All I care about is that I look pretty for Elisha. That's it. (laughs) Well, I'm grateful for that. (laughs) So you guys see my one goal that I still felt motivated about. No wonder you've just been looking so beautiful. (laughs) It's all you've cared about the last couple of weeks. Anyways, but that was kind of like the first chunk of what I wrote down. And by the end, I ended rather abruptly. All I said was, All the dreams on my dream board feel dead. Nothing sounds good, so I'm eating sugar even though I don't enjoy it. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I sound like such a head case. But I was. I really was. And I just stopped right there because I realized in writing out those two paragraphs what I needed to do. And it's kind of crazy. But for me, just writing that out, it didn't make any sense. There wasn't any flow. But to me, I was like, oh, my goodness. I know what I need to do. Which was what? Well, I'm going to say that later. Oh, okay, cool. I'm saving Man. that for later. You have me on the edge of my seat. I was excited. Stay to the tuned. Yeah, I'll stay tuned for sure. Uh, well, that's good. Just kind of, yeah, putting, put, just starting to free write basically with no agenda. And like you said, when you, you see it written out, it almost becomes more convicting. It does. You see like, oh, wow, this is where my brain's going. Wow. And sometimes when we don't write down our feelings or we don't see them, we don't realize how negative our self-talk is or where our thought life is. Wow. Yeah, that's good. I'm excited to hear the the recap of that, the the conclusion. 
All right, something that is really, really huge for me is to not wait for my emotions. And then I, I said, don't wait for your emotions because they will catch up. Uh, meaning, don't wait till you feel like doing something to do it. Because the fact is, is that you're not always going to feel like it. And I mean, there's so many isms around this concept. I've heard it said, you know, uh, you know, when you take like that motion leads to emotion um, or that you need to lead your emotions. And I know that that's certainly the case for me. And, and even referring back to kind of my first point and not forsaking the assembling of the brethren, these last few times that Katie and I have felt so encouraged and edified by our local meeting of, of our church, it's we haven't felt like going. We've both woken up on Sunday morning yes, and just and try to kind of think of an excuse to not go, but we did it more just kind of out of obedience to God's word and just knowing that we, that it was a good thing to do. It was a good action to take regardless of where our heart was. And I think that it's good to have a list of those types of actions to take, meaning these are actions that are good regardless. And I, and I think of going, going to church, you know, meeting with your local body is good regardless of where you're at in your walk, regardless of where you're at in your heart. And I think of reading the Bible, reading your Bible is good regardless of where you're at emotionally or praying is good regardless of where you're at emotionally. Or for me, exercising my body is just always a good thing for me whether I feel like it or I don't feel like it or I'm inspired or I'm uninspired. And so I've kind of got a running list of actions that I just know are good things to do. And of course, you want your heart to be right. You want your heart to be in it uh, because God does look on the heart. But I really do think that in so many of these cases, your actions can lead your heart and they can lead your emotion. And so I've become more and more, I guess, vigilant on knowing what those actions are that I can Mm -hmm. take regardless of where my emotions are at and without fail when i take action consistently in in these things that i've written down my emotions follow you know when i just make myself wake up in the morning before the kids and open my bible and read the words in it the lord starts to do things through through it and he starts to change my heart when we just get in the car we get the kids dressed and we go to church and we show up it's crazy what the Lord does through that. And so I would just really encourage anybody to to make a list of those things that are good to do, regardless of what your emotions are telling you. And I feel this is good for so many different things. I think of that even in marriage. I think there's times when you've reached out to me and loved me in certain ways where you weren't necessarily feeling it. Hmm. It wasn't like, oh, I just really want to go buy Katie flowers because I'm so <laughs> in love with her. But or take out the trash for her or help her with the kids or, you know, but I've seen you do those things Mm. and emotions follow, or I get emotional and I start loving on you more. And then you start feeling more uh, love towards me. And I just think that that is such a powerful thing because often just doing those things can totally jumpstart and give you a fresh start to your life. Yeah, that's great. I can remember actually pretty recently um, it's not that our ma- marriage was dull or, or stagnant, but it just was just kind of pretty, I think it felt very normal yeah, to day, us. In, day, day in, day out marriage. And, uh, I was like, man, just, I, it doesn't feel extra romantic. And I can remember, I was like, you know what? That means I need to do something. Like I need to do something to make it more romantic. And I simply just got like a, a flower. I think I just swung by the store on my way home from work. Well, that was the first of many things over like the last couple of weeks. 
you've done a lot of things. Well, I think the first one was me leading with action rather than emotion because since then it's been fun. It's been emotional, you know, and it's been my (laughs) emotions. Tell me you enjoy doing some of that. (laughs) Exactly. I've enjoyed it since then, but it kind of got kickstarted by just almost pragmatically buying a flower, bringing it to you, and then seeing your response and how, you know, loved you felt. It just just really started the ball rolling. So that was a great example. You're right. Well, I think like we're talking about healthy triggers here basically. And I wanted to talk about identifying those trigger habits because I think in writing out and doing my brain dump, I identified what habits could kind of create a domino effect in my life because I felt my entire life needed a revamp, but it's daunting to go around and look at every area of your life and wonder, what should I be doing in this area? What should I be doing in this area? But you've got to pick the right ones in order to trigger that effect or nothing's going to happen. So for instance, I wanted to feel motivated. Ultimately, this was my goal to grow our home businesses, our YouTube, mainly I think in things outside of my family because Hmm. I was very motivated to grow my relationship with Elisha and I adore my children and I didn't feel any lack in those areas, I guess. But the problem was I wasn't going to do any goals and I knew this that I set for those areas of my life. I just wasn't motivated to do anything. So mm. if I set any goal, I wasn't going to do it because I didn't care. I, I was so apathetic. But in this case, in that brain dump, the, the conclusions I came away with might, that might seem a little random was one, go off sugar for this month. And two, don't watch a single YouTube video hmm. aside from the ones I'm creating. And those might seem like random habits for the end goal that I wanted, but they made me feel in control of my choices and in control of my time. Hmm. And I felt really out of control. Like I didn't have a choice in the decisions I was making, which obviously is never true, but we're talking about feelings here. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. You can't trust our feelings, but they're still there. So by eliminating YouTube, less consuming always makes me want to create more. Yeah. Like Elisha said, that's something I just know. That's something that's tried and true. It's an action. When I consume less, I create more. And secondly, by eliminating YouTube, I created this void of time to fill. And hopefully I was going to fill it with soul enriching things, but I was just going to see what happened. Now I just cut out a big chunk of my time. So I'm going to kind of tell you the results of this as of today. Okay. So going off of sugar made me think, oh, I want to actually work on my health. And for whatever reason, just that little habit gave me a little ambition. And I got up at 530 for the first time in months, weeks, a long time. A couple weeks, yeah. A long time. (laughs) It felt like forever. I worked out for the first time in weeks. I drank half a gallon of water, which for me is a really big deal. And because I got up and did those things, I had time to be in God's word, which is ultimately so important. And so by just doing that little thing of committing to going off sugar for the month of February, that just jump-started so many healthy habits that made me feel like I'm in control of my health. I'm going to start making a difference in little ways. Hmm. And our health makes a massive impact on our mental health too. A hundred percent. Our physical health. Yes, without without doubt. And and our mind, so then when it goes to our mental health, our mind really is interesting how that starts to affect our faith and how we view our walk with the Lord. Um, because it is, it is, it's a mind battle, you know, and the Lord and Satan are at war for our, for our minds. 
and uh, which is what, why I think the Bible does talk so much about our mind by being transformed by the renewing of our mind and setting our mind on things above, you know, mm-hmm. and whatsoever things are true and lovely and of good report, think on these things. Um, so I do think that, like you said, these triggers ultimately lead to what we're talking about, which is getting out of a, getting out of a funk or getting out of a rut. Yeah. And the other one where I just committed to not watching any YouTube videos, not only did I do those other things I mentioned before, but I filled that time by listening to a business podcast, which made me really fired up. And then I wrote an Instagram post, which I hadn't had the creative energy or thoughtfulness to do for a while. And I read a business book during nap time. And all these things are just triggering other things. Hmm. Like all of a sudden I'm starting to feel motivation and I'm starting to feel creative energy. And then I also was able to send out 10 handwritten letters, which was really hanging over my head because I wanted to send out those letters. Mm -hmm. So just by doing those two things, by committing to not doing actually those two things, which I think was easier for me to do in the moment because... I needed some change, yep. but I decided to eliminate things instead of add things because hmm. I wasn't motivated to hit any new goals. Right. Does yeah. that make sense? Totally. But I just feel like my mental health is so incredibly strong right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited to ride that motivation into t- tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Taking it day in and day out. I like that. That's the, that's really, really practical and good insight. Uh, something that I... I think that, and Katie, you will either attest to this or you will deny it, deny wow. its truth. You will you will do one of those two things. But I think that I've grown over our first few years of marriage in being aware of my circumstances when I am in a season of funk or when I feel mentally downtrodden. Um, and, and the reason I, I say that is because I think every time that I've gotten into a mental funk throughout our marriage, it's been in in trying seasons. And I think that when you're, when you can objectively say, okay, this makes sense that I'm really bummed out because fill in the blank. And I think to both of our postpartum seasons. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, it's, it was week six. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was really like week three to five for me, I think or really? maybe like three to six. Okay. I felt like right in that stretch because obviously when you've got a newborn, there's this bliss of having a new human in your home and in your life. And it's, it's a high, it's like this emotional high, um, and then after, after a time, uh, at least for me in my, in my experience, there, there comes this, this, this mild depression where as, I mean, I think of, you know, from a husband's standpoint, you're not getting the same physical intimacy that you're probably accustomed to in your marriage. And that takes its toll on you. You've got an extra mouth to feed. You've got, you're not probably not sleeping as well at that season of life. So your health isn't where it usually is. And I've come so close to making life altering decisions in both of our postpartum seasons. And it's really only been by the grace of God that we haven't because yes, actually absolutely. I think I would have made life altering decisions. Yes, we tried, we tried to, yeah, and he closed the doors. God closed the door. Cause I was trying to get this one job that just would have not been good for our family. Uh, but mm-hmm. fortunately, I mean, I thought I was going to get the job offered to me and I and ended up, they ended up giving it to somebody else. But it's one of those things where, I was about to make a life-altering decision in a very emotionally trying time, and I think that that's a huge mistake. I think, I mean, sometimes circumstances force you to make decisions, but if you have any ability to withhold making a decision while you're in a, an emotionally unstable time, I just highly encourage you to do that. And I think that that's really what we concluded on over the last couple of weeks, as we as I've felt emotionally down and I've not been stoked about life. 
everything in me wants to change my circumstances. I, I think, oh man, well, I need to change something. I need a new career or I need a new project or I need a new car <laughs> or we need to live in a new apartment and, and then things will be better. It's crazy how your brain just is, just tells you and tries to convince you that if you change your circumstances, life will be better. And I'm not saying that you should never change your circumstances. I, I think that that's oftentimes what needs to happen in your life, mm-hmm. but don't do it in times that you know for a fact are already emotionally trying times. And so for Katie and I, January and February are emotionally trying times. And so we committed at the beginning of the year to not make any big life-altering decisions in these two months. Similarly, when when it's the postpartum season, I've decided to not make any life-altering decisions in that season of life. Or if you're overcoming a sickness, or if you're, I think that's another one, just when you're dealing with sickness and, and health issues, don't make life-altering decisions while while figuring that out. Yeah, and you guys heard how I do like change. And so obviously I'm a big instigator, I think. And seeing Elisha, I feel like he usually feels that discouragement first because he has all the weight and the pressure of leading our family. And then I start to be like, we need a change. We need a change. We need a change. (laughs) And then when Elisha, this time, I've been really grateful for him because he's kept coming back to, that's a really good idea after we talk an idea out. And he's like, I'm not going to make any decision though until March or until April or, you know, just whenever the deadline was, he just wasn't going to make a decision this month. And that was kind of killing me. (laughs) Okay. I was like, come on, this is a good idea. We need to act like yesterday. But I think that's so healthy to just have that established before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Before you go into those seasons. And I think that's kind of leads into my last point here, which is being aware of how your spouse affects you and how you affect your spouse. Because Elisha and I have talked about this quite a few times. Marriage is all about unity. We are affecting each other, whether we desire to or whether we don't. Mm -hmm. And that's positively or negatively. And so I think that understanding how your spouse works through these times, really studying them and seeing the patterns of behavior because all of us are going to get down over periods of time over the years that's going to happen quite a few times and it might be a few weeks it might be a few months some seasons might be years long Hmm. and thankfully we haven't come across any that's that substantial right but i just feel like in the beginning elisha and i didn't really know how each other functioned during these times and we didn't really work together as a team through these times. Hmm. But I feel like now we do work a lot better Mm -hmm. and a lot more efficiently. I know I've said things that I wish I hadn't said in a couple seasons like this. Almost every February I have a conversation (laughs) I regret Hmm. that I can remember now. Like it's big enough that it's affected our marriage enough. I remember it now. And I was close to having another conversation like that um, this February, mm-hmm. you know, or this January, yeah. honestly, I was like, we just need to talk this out. And going through my mind, I was just praying like, Lord, you know, wait upon the Lord, I'll renew your strength, mm-hmm. just wait. And I think it's so cool because within a couple of days, the issue resolved itself. Wow. Yeah. I'm really grateful that you had that, that really the ultimately that faith that the Lord would renew our strength. Um, because like you said, it's, you say, you oftentimes say things that you regret saying 
and the well, actually you don't have to agree with me so no much i'm talking about that. i'm saying you like the general like any anybody says things that they regret <laughs> uh. saying when they're in a, in a negative emotional place and um and what's unfortunate is that oftentimes what you say in that in that season of life lasts far longer usually than the season than the season does you know where that pain or the hurt or the guilt or the stress from the words you spoke will last you know for a lot longer um that's really really good katie yeah i like that insight and i think too something i learned this time though was that my pressure again like i mentioned before to jump on the change bandwagon and be like oh yeah you should change your career or you should change whatever (laughs) instead of being like you know what I need change in my life. It can be small. It mm. can be quitting something. Mm-hmm. It can be starting something. For me, that keeps me very excited and engaged in life. So mm. it doesn't have to be a big change. But I think for me, identifying that I need change was helpful. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of identified some of the root reasons that I reacted in past seasons. Mm. Yeah. So I don't know. You learn things about yourself every season. That's right. And I think it's just so healthy. But just... I guess I want to keep in mind how I'm affecting Elijah, how he's affecting me and how we can work together through this because we're never alone in anything emotional or physical. You know, if I'm feeling anxiety, that will pass on to Elisha Mm -hmm. or discouragement or whatever. Right. And vice versa. Yeah. And I think being aware of, you know, even uh, as, as I guess redundant as it is being aware of your spouse's love language, I've thought of that the last yes. few days actually, because I know that I really refuel and usually feel like I'm able to find more clarity when I get some time alone and I'm able to maybe go for a walk or go for a drive or go for a bike ride and really clear my head. And I know that Katie does not work that way. She really wants to be with me talking things out and thinking mm-hmm. it through with me and verbally processing. And so I think being aware of how your spouse operates and being willing to, uh, you know, I guess c- accommodate their their love language or their form of processing. And then in turn, being confident enough to communicate what you need to do too, so that your spouse can honor that. Yeah. Cause I do think you've gotten well, so good at loving me in my love language. I know there are so many times you go out of your way to spend time with me because I need it and it's not what you need. But at the same time, you've gotten so much better at communicating to me when you need that space, because sometimes I'm not as aware hmm. of, Oh, he needs time by himself. Right. And, you know, the times when I have suggested it, it hasn't gone over so well. Wait, isn't that funny how that works? <laughs> it's yeah. like, maybe you should go spend time by yourself. Or maybe <laughs> you should go talk to so-and-so. Yeah. And Elisha's like, what are you trying to do? You don't want to hang out with me? I know. It's, I, it's, uh, that's not fair that I respond in that way. But for some reason, these a couple, a couple times when you've, you know, initiated me going and being by myself... I'm like, what's your problem? You don't want to be around me? Am I like a jerk right now? Uh, apparently, I was being a jerk. No. No. But I think that's going to kind of summarize what, what we, some, just some personal experiences that we've had in, in overcoming ruts and getting out of funks. Ultimately, going to God's word, being transformed by the renewing of your mind, mm-hmm. which uh, Katie and I just know is in God's word and it's in prayer and it's in fellowship with fellow believers. Um, I think that's such an important thing, just being aware of of the content that you're allowing into your home, you know, like Katie talked mm-hmm. about, whether it's through YouTube or whether it's through books or Instagram or, or movies, um, just any form of media. Uh, cause I, I've heard it said that what you allow into your head and what you allow into your heart makes its way into your home. And, uh, and I really do think, think that is the case. And so it can be God's word and it can be truth or it can be just knowledge of the world and it can be worldly entertainment that ultimately is opposed to God and opposed to his word. 
All right, Katie. This is fun. This is fun. Yes. It is good to be on the other side, though. It is. That's right. (laughs) And I think being well aware of the fact that these are going to come and go. They come and go. throughout, Throughout our life. And trying to equip ourselves with tools and strategies while we're in a good place mentally. Um, knowing that the hard times will come again and we can have tools to hopefully work through that time with. All right. Well, that's it. You guys, thanks for listening. Katie, do you have any parting words? Oh, yeah. If you liked this, leave a review. Yeah, please. We're, Katie and I please. are really trying to figure out this podcast thing. Um, we're trying to get it on more platforms. Uh, right now, I think we're only on iTunes. Isn't that right? Yeah. Hopefully that's going to change in the next couple weeks. Yeah. 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 We're total noobs, you guys, yeah. but thanks for you, bearing with us. If you want to say, you know, good job for noobs, yeah. <laughs> we'll take it. Or even if you want to leave out the noobs part, just say good job in your <laughs> review. That'd probably be, that'd, that'd be nice, but we're going to call it a night and, uh, get ready for bed. The kids are already in bed. So we're going to follow suit and, uh, get some sleep. Thanks for listening you guys. And we'll talk to you next week.